Well, 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 here we are. And I know many people who are here, the first 200 or so, will say, uh, we saw this coming. There were no surprises. I get it. 54 to 10, Iowa, with the, I don't even know how to describe this loss other than demoralizing. The demoralizing loss on the road at Ohio State, a game in which Iowa turned the ball over six times, and that is where the game was lost. Uh, we can talk about the offense all we want. The offense is terrible. That's no news. Uh, Ohio State ran the ball for 66 yards. Let me talk about that first before we get to any of our callers. We're going to get to you in a second. 66 yards. And they threw for just 294 yards. 360 total yards of offense. I don't want anybody to criticize Iowa's defense. This is the best offense in the country. I guess that's sort of debatable. Tennessee's really good. I saw them putting a beat down on a bad FCS program uh, at halftime. But 66 rushing yards. Iowa actually outrushed Ohio State. Let's think about that. They lost by 44 and outrushed the Buckeyes. That is an alarming, unbelievable stat. This game was lost because of turnovers. Uh, the six turnovers, I have to go back. I'm looking at the unofficial box score. I do not believe that includes the Tory Taylor uh, bad fake, if you will, that was not prompted by LeVar Woods, Kirk Ferentz, or anybody in the staff. I feel bad for Tory. He's been terrific all year. That goes without saying. But I felt bad for him because that was a bad, bad play. They were going to lose this game regardless. Uh, we can talk about the quarterback position. Um, I can tell you this right now. Alex Padilla should be starting against Northwestern if he's not. Once again, shame on the coaching staff. He was not put in a position to succeed at all. When you put him on the road, his first start of the 2022 season, you put him on the road at Ohio State down 16, not in a position to succeed. Now, was it the right move at the time? Yes, you had to make a change. But again, not put in a position to succeed. We're going to get to phone calls. We're going to get to people here on StreamYard. We've got Jack who is uh, in line first. We've got Alex, Vincent, James, all here waiting to uh, hop on the show. And I've got a bunch of comments to get to as well. Uh, Coach Don Patterson is calling a game for the Missouri Valley Conference today over in uh, the great state of Indiana. So he will not be with us today. He will be with us tomorrow night. He will be with us tomorrow night at 7 p.m. So just me and you for the next uh, hour and a half or so. And then we'll get Don Patterson for some uh, real breakdown tomorrow. All right, let's start things off with Jack. Jack, welcome to the show. Hello. Hello. Hear me. Yes. Yes, you're on the air, Jack. What do you think of Alex Padilla today? Um, what do I think of Alex Padilla? Well, as I said at the outset, he was not put in a, in a fair position. Um, the kid needs a, a shot with the circumstances like Spencer had him the first six weeks of the season. He needs, he needs to start against Northwestern. Let's see what he can do against a, a reasonable bow. Um, this game is a half time. He deserves another chance, Jack. He does. You agree? Yes, 100%. Yes. But how would you feel after that first interception by Petras to begin the game? Well, Zach, are you on Twitter? Uh, no. 
Okay, you're not on Twitter. That's okay. So Twitter, Twitter is, uh, I, I would not recommend you go on Twitter. But this one, you want to know my reaction after the first interception, Jack? You, you, want, yeah. you want to know what my reaction was? Yes. This was my reaction. Ignore the ring light in the back. That was my reaction. I was dumbfounded by it. Yes. Blown away by it. What about you? I, I expected it. I was mad at Kirk Ferentz for electing to receive to begin instead of preferring. Sure. sure. All right, Jack, anything else? No, that's all right. Thank you for having me. Thank you, sir. Appreciate your call. All right. Appreciate the call from Jack here. We've got a caller on hold on our phone line. Thank you for calling from the Hawkeye of the Storm, Iowa postgame. Who's on the line? Yeah, this is Clint from Des Moines. How are you, Corey? At least this is Clint? Yeah, this is Clint from Des Moines. I just talked to you a few times. A few yeah. There. Yeah, good to hear yeah, from you, Clint. I, I, yeah, I uh, just want to comment about the game. You know, I, I wasn't expecting them to win, but I, just, I, I feel so bad for the defense, you know, because they're so good, and they're just not – the offenses is not putting them in a you know position to do anything, and I uh, I'm just beyond frustrated. I just feel like they need to clean house with Brian and get rid of him next week, honestly, because I just it's not going to get any better. And I, I don't know, I don't know, I know we've been all talking about this, talking about, it, but I just think it's kind of come to a head at this point. I mean, did you do you feel like it's come to a head at this point? Do you feel like it came to a head two weeks ago, three weeks ago? Do you think it's just now coming to a head, Clint? I, I, well, I think it came to a head weeks ago, but I think with this Ohio State, you know, defeat the way it was, it just really just, you know, put the nail in the coffin for me. And um, I just think he needs to be out there. And I think if Kurt's not wanting to make a change now or at least by the end of the year, I think he should go too. It's just, it, it, it makes me so sad to see that defense, you know, that plays so well, plays their hearts out. They just don't have an opportunity. You know? And, and uh, yeah, I just, that's where I'm at with it. Uh, I agree with you wholeheartedly, Clint, and um, I, I, I led with this, but anybody who wants to criticize the defense, see, uneducated football fans, like some people down south that watch the SEC and, and like to troll on Big Ten channels, uh, will criticize Iowans. Ah, that defense ain't for real. How do you give up 54 points? Again, uh, uneducated football fans out there. Um, this Iowa defense, you, you're right, was absolutely sensational in that first half. Yeah. I mean, absolutely yeah, sensational. Um, we're talking about a Spencer Petrus pick, uh, inside Iowa territory. We're talking about a Spencer Petrus fumble inside Iowa territory. We're talking about a Tory Taylor gaff and turnover on downs inside Iowa territory. That's nine points right there. Iowa stood up and held them to field goals every single time. And I think it was, uh, was a Joel Klatt that brought out that Ohio State had scored touchdowns on 42 of their last 51 possessions. That's unreal. And Iowa yeah, held yeah. them every single time in that first half. They gave up seven points. The defense gave up seven points in that first half. Yeah. Petrus yeah. throws the, it, it, the pick. It, it, and it's admirable they're even playing this good as much as they're on the field, you know, all game. I mean, it's, just, it's I honestly, it's amazing to me, you know, but they don't have any support. They, and, and Clint, they gave up some yeah. stuff in the second half. I mean, Again, very similar to the Big Ten championship game. Eventually, the dam's going to break. Um, yeah, exactly. And the dam broke, and that's not anything against the defense. This defense actually built credibility by its performance. Today. I don't care what the final score is. Scoring offense, very deceiving, especially in a game like this. Yeah, Scoring defense, exactly. I'm sorry. I did, I did like they put Padilla in there, man, but he, I mean, he, I, I wasn't expecting him to do much. He got kind of got in there late, but 
Yeah, I think he gives us more of a chance if they could change the offense a little bit, like maybe do some more QB draw plays and maybe get him running the ball. Cause he's so much more mobile than Petrus. I mean, I thought he had some escapability there. So, yeah. but I don't know. At this point, I just think they need to clean house. So. I appreciate your perspective, Clinton. We're not far We're not far off in opinions. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Corey. I love your show. Keep up the good work. Thank you, sir. Appreciate the call. All right. Let's get to... Um, Let's see who is up next. Uh, Alex is up next here on the show. Alex, how's it going, sir? How are you? Doing okay. You you agree with me on this defense? What a performance! Can oh we... no, and you know, yeah, the score is not indicative of how well this defense played. You no. got to look at like six turnovers where Ohio State really had you know field position starting. It was clearly on Iowa's plus on the plus side of the field. So. Yeah, this you know people are gonna look at the score and say, "Wow, maybe this defense isn't that good." But it's if you really break it down, it's this defense. You know, you had said at the start of the show, you know, only three hundred some odd yards for a an Ohio State team that's ranked, you know, if not number one, top five, if not top three in offensive category. And Alex, they put up they put up well over six hundred yards against Michigan State. Yeah, it's so yeah, so well, it's it's a team that's easily top three, if not you know top two even. Um, I, I questioned – so I, I actually woke up late uh, this morning. I actually missed that first quarter. I got caught the second quarter and beyond, and I missed, you know, the one key play that Joe Evans hit uh, C.J. Stroud and picked and uh, scooped and scored. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> so what was your thought? Because I laugh as soon as this happened. I saw Padilla, and I'm like, all right, cool. Fumble. I'm like – and I start laughing. I'm like, oh, there's your one chance, kid. Now we're going to put Spencer back in. I, I kind of thought that, but I was happy to see him back out there. But um, and I believe you had said this too at the start of the show. They he got put in at the wrong the well no it was right to put him in, but they they did not put him in a, in a spot to you know actually succeed and to be you know six, to be successful because this couple sacks he took I when they did a replay there was you know they sent more than four guys they sent I think six or seven guys on one of them. And you saw on like uh, one of the drives that he had that had a little success to it. He was able to escape the pocket and throw to you know throw on the run, which is something that you know I think all fans have been clamoring for. It's like, hey, we need a mobile quarterback, and something that Spencer Peters can't do. And is Padilla better than Spencer? Uh, you know, I'm not going to say out of a half of football, I'm not going to say yes or no on that. He looks, they probably look about similar, but. You know, but he gives you something that Spencer doesn't, which is mobility. So I agree with you. He needs to start against Northwestern. I think that's be a better test. Now, Northwestern is, you know, like Iowa has is have a historically bad defense. Northwestern is kind of like a similar Iowa, really bad, you know, a bad offense, but a very good defense. But they haven't had a haven't done really well this year on, on defense. So you know, I think that's be a good test for for uh, Padilla if they decide to start him. So it'd be kind of interesting in what. Uh, is going forward on that. Um, that's really all I got. Uh, you know, I, like I said, I caught the only caught part of the game, but so I think this def, you know, the special teams didn't look great either. I know Tory Taylor has, you know, that fake, fake punt did not go according to plan. Yeah. So he had that good of a punting average. See, he didn't do that well in punting average this day. I haven't looked at any of the box scores or anything well, like that. The one punt that he that he booted, I don't know even how Ohio is uh, the Ohio Stadium is is set up, but I, the one punt I think got caught up in the wind. But you're right, I think he uh, had a couple punts into the wind, and I think when he, you could tell how upset he was after that punt decision. 
And I think he maybe let it get into his head a little bit because we haven't seen him get rattled. But when he slammed his helmet down on the sideline, you could tell that, that he was he was upset with himself and and rightfully so. Um, but uh, yeah, I, th- I think he'll 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 have a big game against Northwestern because uh, Northwestern's a game where I mean, look at how Northwestern beat Nebraska. They beat Nebraska the way Iowa beats teams and they controlled the field. And Northwestern's been only worse since then. But uh, yeah, he, he didn't have his best game. No, um, you know, and I, so last thing I said, I kind of laughed when you said we're only going to be on here for about an hour and a half and you usually get on here for about three hours. It seems like a lot of well, fans want to talk. I got Don Patterson coming on tomorrow and uh, I just can't sit here and talk about a 50, 44 point uh, loss uh, for five hours, Alex. I just... Well, I think, I think like you said, everyone kind of maybe expected this, maybe not a big of a, yeah. a margin as maybe as it has, but as it was, you know, maybe a little bit, you know, closer in the sense of like maybe Iowa kept it in within within the spread, which was I think. Well, not when you, yeah, but not when you turn it over six times. Yeah. So, but no, I'm saying at the start of the game, I think you sure. know, you know, and you know, going in, I you know, turning on the TV when Iowa, it was seven sixteen or seven thirteen or something like that, and Ohio State just kicked another field goal, and I was thinking. Iowa has a small chance, you know, if this defense can keep scoring, you know, maybe make, make it interesting. I didn't think Iowa really had a chance to win in this game. Not trying not saying I'm not a, wasn't rooting for Iowa. Just, I just didn't think they had a, you know, I thought they had a small chance, but they had to play perfectly. And obviously with six turnovers, it's not, you know, but you know, Iowa had, the Iowa defense had what, three turnovers and then they, a fourth one, but then they got called back due to offsetting penalties or something like that. Yeah. So I, this, I, yeah. So I know it's, you know, we're beating the dead horse of this offense is terrible. This defense is great. So there's a special teams, but I don't, you know, that's pretty much all I have to say on that. But uh, anyway, Feel but free. anyway, I, uh, since me and the, me and the fiance celebrated an anniversary last night, I didn't get to my honey to do list. So I got to get that before she gets on me about that. Take care of that. Take care of the important things, Alex. Yeah, you're a married man. You know how it is. I know how it goes. All right. Thank you, sir. Have a good one. All right. Well, uh, I'm having an issue here. So uh, before we uh, get to our next caller, I got to get to, uh, I got to fix this issue, this technical issue. So we're going to take a quick, quick commercial break. um, And then we'll be back with more here um, on this edition of Iowa Post Game with From the Hawkeye of the Storm. We'll be right back. Hawkeye fans, let's talk about health and performance optimization for a moment. Our sponsor, Ascent Nutrition, offers amazing products. It's actually owned by former Iowa graduate Lance Shuttler. Now, I've decided to partner with Ascent Nutrition because of their unique approach to human health. Ascent offers an organically grown mold and mycotoxin-free coffee. It provides a pure, clean, and rich flavor without those pesticides that most coffees are treated with. They also offer an algae oil DHA, which is used to support brain health, memory, and focus, as well as proper nervous system development in adults, children, athletes, and even pets. Now, lastly, their unique crafted wild pine pollen is used to support cardiovascular health, hormonal function, and a healthy libido. Your purchase not only supports this channel, but the business of a former Hawkeye. Visit GoAscentNutrition.com or click the link in the description below and use the code Hawkeyes. That's the code Hawkeyes to receive 15% off your total order from Ascent Nutrition. 
Welcome to Iowa Floor Covering, a locally owned flooring store in Bondurant, Iowa that specializes in do-it-yourself projects. If you're a contractor or a DIYer, Iowa Floor Covering has your back. Right now at Iowa Floor Covering, get tough core click together 4.5 millimeter waterproof vinyl flooring for $269 per foot when you install it yourself. That's a much better value than you'll find at any of the big box stores. Looking for other types of flooring? They can help with that too. Between their exceptional product knowledge and commitment to customer service, the guys at Iowa Floor Covering will provide everything you need to complete your DIY flooring project. So what are you waiting for? Skip the box stores now and visit iowafloorcovering.com DIY. That's iowafloorcovering.com DIY. Promotional pricing only available with self-installation. You may have heard of the real-life Hawkeye Man Cave known as Kinnick Under the Kitchen. Well, after lots of hard work, there's not much space left to paint, but the walls are exploding out for public consumption. Under the Kitchen is proud to announce that you can now purchase exclusive prints of some of your favorite Hawkeye legends, including wrestling great Spencer Lee, football players Arlen Bruce, Riley Moss, and Tavian Banks, plus an all-in-one Murray family legacy print, featuring Keegan, Chris, and Kenyon Murray himself. Signed and unsigned prints are available, making the perfect collectible or gift for any Hawkeye enthusiast. For more information on purchasing one of these outstanding Hawkeye prints, visit Under the Kitchen on Facebook. That's Under the Kitchen on Facebook. So appreciate all of our sponsors. Uh, that uh, helped me if I need a, a minute to regroup here and uh, have uh, very generously supported this show despite the Iowa struggles on offense throughout the year. So thank you to Ascent Nutrition, Under the Kitchen, uh, Iowa Floor Covering uh, for sponsoring the content here from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Let's get to our next caller. It's Vincent who's on the line. Vincent, how you doing today, sir? Oh, I had better days. Corey, how are you doing? I mean, I, I I didn't have any expectations going into this game, Vincent. So I guess given the, I mean, I'm frustrated by the fact that the score says 54 to 10. Um, when I think anybody who watched this game understands that uh, the defense played admirably, but other than that, I just hope it uh, ignites change. Well, you you said it. The defense played phenomenal, but when you have when the opposing offense is starting inside the 30 or 35 yard line on probably at least a dozen offensive series, there's only so much you can do regardless of how good your defense is. So no, you said it earlier, if anybody's knocking the defense, they don't know, uh, uh, or they don't have any football IQ period. Um, or just didn't watch the game. Didn't bother to watch the game. Right. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. They just, it's, um, it, it, it's a painful thing to watch when every time you turn around, and especially with an offense that's as potent as Ohio State, and yet we kept shutting them down and shutting them down and shutting them. I was thoroughly impressed with the defense. I'm not even going to touch on the offense. It's just beating a dead horse, like the prior caller said. But um, I was curious because I had a a TV or uh, cable snafu. I guess DirecTV doesn't have a contract with Fox as of right now. But anyway, what was the um, the mishap with Tory Taylor and the punt was it one of those run option kicks where he was trying to get a first down? Did he just muff it and have to run it? What happened? 
Well, Tori has developed the skill, and it is a skill. Don Patterson has talked about this, the ability to wait, 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 wait on those punts and allow his gunners to get down the field, his coverage team to get down the field. And in that case, I think he just saw something and he realized, hey, I only need four yards. Unfortunately, it was the wrong decision. And I, I think maybe had he cut it up right, he had t- Turner Palisard potentially as a blocker. But when your guys don't know you're running, um, you better you better have a wide open field. And we've seen Iowa punters. I don't remember who was uh, last year. Or was it two years ago? Because it would have been Taylor last year. Maybe it was a couple years ago. I guess Taylor's been the punter now for three years. But somebody did that before. I think Taylor's maybe done that once before. Oh, Sleep um, Dalton. Yeah, it might have been Sleep Dalton. I was thinking it was over. You know, sometime in the last two years. But I, I think it was clear that was not drawn up. Okay. Was he? Did he just come up with negative yardage, or did he come up just no, short? No. I think he got two yards and he did four and he got two. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, uh, yeah, I was curious. Um, do you think, um, this is my take. And as long as I've been a Hawkeye fan, I've never thought I'd see the day where I thought we need to move on from Kirk, but do you think it's time? Uh, no, no, no. I, don't, I don't think so. I, I don't think that's no, that's not the, that's not my reaction to three and four at this point. Not, I mean, not the. Go ahead. I may take some heat for saying that because I know some people want him gone. But you've heard my, you've you've heard what I want, right? Vincent, right. I yeah. Want, I want Kirk to do the right thing. If he's unwilling, then Gary Barton needs to do the right thing and respectfully have a conversation with Kirk and say, "Look, you're not doing what's best for the program by by en- enabling your son." Um, and I have to make a decision because I'm his direct supervisor. So Gary needs to force Kirk's hand in this. And if Kirk, if then Kirk is unwilling to do anything, I mean, he's just going to dig his heels in, then yeah, you say, okay, you, you have to step down, but I don't think that's been done yet, Vincent. So I'm not ready to say that Kirk needs to be fired. They did just win 10 games last year. That doesn't say anything about the offense. Brian needs to be gone. Um, and yes, they made a quarterback change. They should have made that quarterback change five weeks ago. Um, and you know, you're putting Padilla in a terrible position, but I think we've got to, first of all, Kirk's not got any, he's not in any danger of losing his job, even if they go three and nine. I mean, he's just not, he's not going to lose his job after a 10 win season last year. I I don't know, Corey. I, 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 I don't agree with that. And I know you're, you got your stance and I respect that, mm-hmm. but give it just given the landscape of what, uh, boosters and, and administrators and presidents, um, what their responsibilities are. It's, it's to the coaches, but it's also to the the fan base and get such it's, or since it's such an obvious and glaring issue and, or I guess I'll say it this way. And I'll, I'll agree with you on this. If Kirk can't find a way to resolve his OC uh, issues and replace Brian or do what he has to do to mold him, move him, whatever the case may be, if he doesn't do that and he goes down with the proverbial ship, um, and and not wanting to move Brian, then I think the president, the board, the um, boosters are not going to have any other choice but to ask Kirk to step aside. That's it's because you can't keep taking this game in and game out when it's when it's such an obvious problem. That again, that's just my opinion. Just just my opinion. I get what you're saying. I I like I said. Um... How do you, I mean, I guess that Wisconsin did fire Paul Christ after winning nine games last year, but that's sort of unprecedented. I know it Bo, is. Pelini got, Bo Pelini got canned after winning eight to nine games like every year he was there, but that's pretty rare that that would ever happen. Kirk has been here far too long. He's built up far more immunity than 
than Paul Christ ever did at Wisconsin. Now, Paul Christ was more successful in this in the shorter stint that he had at Wisconsin than Kirk Ferentz has ever been uh, at Iowa as far as uh, win percentage, championships, etc. Uh, I, I just I, I really don't see there being any way that there's enough donors and enough pushback right now, Vincent, that that would ever happen. Um, now, if he goes. You know, if he goes four and eight this year and then next year they're six and six, okay, yeah, I think he's on the hot seat. And I think at that point he may just step aside. Um, but I just don't think we're to that point. But you have a right to your opinion. Here's why I think that. If it was if it wasn't a scenario where you had your son underneath of you and every week you're having to defend, you know, you keeping him in that position, I think he would have more time to correct uh uh, the issue as far as the OC, but given the fact that he still keeps sticking by Brian, given just it's it's such an atrocity to watch the offense, given how bad it is, and he yet he still keeps sticking by it and say he has no plans to make. Change. I know it's it's Vincent. Let me just say this: uh, just because I say that Kirk shouldn't be fired right now doesn't mean that I'm escaping that fact. And let me just say this for a second: it's completely unacceptable what Kirk Ferentz is doing. He's not putting the program first anymore. He's been putting the program first, I'd argue, for the most part in most areas for much of his tenure. But the last 10 years or so have been built on how can I elevate my son? And right. he, he's done a great job building, you know, having LeVar Woods, is his, uh, retaining LeVar Woods, retaining Seth Wallace, returning Phil, uh, retaining Phil Parker. But the bottom line is, now he he's promoted his son, promoted his son, promoted his son, and it's gotten to a point where his son is the second most important coach on on this football team, and you know the the failure is so clearly evident at this point. And so you're right, he's done this to himself. It's completely unacceptable. He needs to be held accountable. Uh, I think he's been recently in his press conferences when he's spoken to reporters. I think he's been uh, I don't want to say rude, but uh, or, or demeaning, but like, you know, we asked David Eichold, you know, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but we won 10 games last year. That's condescending. Yeah, I heard that. Um, so stuff like that really, it does rub me the wrong way. And it does give me the feeling that Kirk feels that he perhaps is bigger than the program. And if you get to that point, you've overstayed your welcome. But I'm just saying it, it does, he does deserve some time to get his head on straight in all this because of what he's done. The fact they won 10 games last year and they very well, they very easily could have won six or seven games last year. Remember how many close games they won last year. But the fact of the matter is Vincent, they did win them. So I think that if they had went six and six last year and they're three and four now, we'd be, we'd be having a totally different conversation. Why? why? True. I just think the dynamic that's there right now. And just like you pointed out, Every time these things are brought up to Kirk, any other logical coach would say, yeah, these, these are things that we're going to have to work on. And maybe it's, it, there's a possibility we have to look in a different direction. But he's so snide and snarky in the defense of keeping Brian there where he does think that he's bigger than the program. And that's where, and again, just in my opinion, that's where I feel the powers that be may feel, okay, maybe his ego is a little bit too big where we can't get him to make the right decision in regards to Brian. So we're going to have to make a decision on both. And again, that's just my my take on that. Um, the last question I wanted to ask you, um, and I'll uh, turn it over to other callers, is given the struggles that we're having, now I know we're not really bringing in the five and four-star recruits offensively, but do you think that this is going to have an impact with the recruits that we already have committed and then um, uh, recruits going forward? How much of an impact? Because to me, what I worry about is as bad as this offense is, 
I'm concerned about the skill players that we do have transferring out vis-a-vis Arlen Bruce, Keegan Johnson, uh, anybody who has or who's a, a good offensive player, whether it be skill or on the line or tight end. I'm concerned about them transferring out now, but I'm also concerned about Xavier Wampa staying, Caden Proctor staying committed. You know, the guys that we have already uh, verbals from, do you foresee an issue there given our struggles? Well, I can tell you, excuse me, I can tell you that um, I've Are you I, I it. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, well, they've already lost Kendrick Raphael. Let's not forget that. Right. That was a big loss. Come out of four star back, and very rarely does Iowa nab four, four star position players anywhere. Uh, so that was a big loss, and they ain't getting him back. Um, I am not concerned about Caden Proctor. I am, um, I am mildly concerned. I guess would be the right way to put it because I do think he's keeping his options open. Let's just say that I don't think he's turning down phone calls. Um, so I, I think he'll be here. I think he'll sign here in two months. But yes, I'm concerned. The problem is Vincent. They don't have other skill position players besides Marco Linez, and I do think Marco is bought in. I did have a conversation with with someone. Uh, close to Marco uh, about a week, week and a half ago that told me he's still locked in on his commitment. So that's that's positive, right? I mean, you can build around Marco Linez. However, uh, yeah, you don't want to lose Caden Proctor. You don't want to lose, well, I mean, other what other skill position talent do they have in 23 besides Alex Moda at wide receiver? And he's an in-state kid who they'll probably hang on to. Um, but now they got to go figure out a way to get another running back. They got to figure out a way to get some wide receivers because they've got one in the class of 23. They bought, brought one in in 22. No, recruiting's a problem right now. And it's going, it's getting worse because of this issue, because of the well, offense. We need to keep the guys that we have. I'm just going to leave you with this. What makes me extremely concerned is on our offensive roster right now, or on our uh, Hawkeye roster. The guys that are concerning to me are the skill position players we're using. Uh, too many times I saw today where Arlen Bruce was wide because Ohio State was playing off coverage in so many circumstances where he had a 10-yard gap. Where I don't know why we're not audibling to a hot route or something quick to gain five, six, seven, eight yards with that cushion. These are players that want the ball just like Charlie Jones did last year and uh, Tyrone Tracy. So my concern is if given the the state of the offense right now is even the players that we do have Brody Brecht, for example, he was a, a highly rated uh, recruit coming out of high school two years ago or whatever year he came out. Yeah. Um, these right. are guys that are going to go somewhere to get touches, to get exposure. They're, they're certainly not going to stay at Iowa given the circumstance of the off or given the, uh, the state of the offense right now. So we haven't heard anything on Keegan Johnson. I've heard soft tissue. I've heard a number of different things, but, that's my biggest fear is even the guys that we have now, they're just going to get fed up and they're going to want to get the hell out of Iowa city to go somewhere to actually get the ball. And then the ones that we are recruiting or who have commitments from are going to fall off just because of the sheer ego of a Brian and Kirk Ferentz. And I appreciate all the time, Corey. Thank you, Vincent. Appreciate the call. And I don't, I don't uh, disagree with anything Vincent just said. Um, I, I, I think he and I are on maybe slightly different pages as it relates to where donors are and where the people that matter are, the administration. They're not, I, I just don't think there's Kirk's job is in no way in jeopardy. I don't think it should be, but I do think there needs to be accountability. And I think we lack some accountability at the top of this 
top of the food chain in that football program, that football office, absolutely lack accountability. 100%. Okay, uh, let's get to um, James, who's been on hold for quite some time. James, welcome to the show. What's up? First off, can I say something to Vincent? One name he brought up is Brody Breck. I think Brody Breck obviously going to stay because he plays baseball. I just don't know like if he's going to be an actual football team. No more. You know what I'm saying? Like That might change his whole his whole thing and you know he has a chance of getting drafted at baseball i feel like so maybe yeah. for him it's more coming down to the wire of him happening to choose one or the other and probably choose baseball over football because he's a better chance of going to the next level in baseball right. at least that's just my point on that one and then about the recruits too i'm just going to bring a couple of things he said before i get to my points but about the recruits too i think i seen someone on twitter where Caden was like taking offers from somebody he got i know toledo's not a big school right but he got an offer from toledo and posted on his twitter and I've seen people going like crazy about it, you know, like, oh, well, I thought you were coming to Iowa, but it's like, who is this? Cro- Proctor. It was a long time ago. Oh, though. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It was a long time ago. I know it's Toledo. It's not like nothing compared to Iowa, you know, but like he just tweeted it out. So to me, it kind of shows that he, his commitment still is kind of open more than you would think because he's always taking calls from other people. Let me just say this. I think I can say with confidence based on the people I've talked to, uh, Marco is more. Uh, I, th- I think there's less to worry about with Marco Linez than there is a, with Caden Proctor. I'll just leave it at that. I, I think yeah. they've got to keep recruiting Caden Proctor. And and really, you should re- be recruiting all of your commits because guys can decommit for whatever reason. Iowa shouldn't stop recruiting these guys, even when they sign, because guys can – I mean, look at uh, um, the kid that uh, opted out he, here. What was his I know name? you're talking about. Uh, he's a corner, wasn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, I don't even know where he's at right now, if he's doing think- anything. Um, so yeah, no, they got to keep recruiting these guys because, um, the offense is bad enough that you you mean guys, if, if say Ohio state comes calling again to, you know, say they come calling for Marco, maybe his mind changes. They got to keep recruiting these guys hard. Yeah, for sure. I feel that Uh, a couple of things I noticed too, is like, obviously I didn't expect this to win. I'm not, I'm up at that right now. Like I expected kind of seems maybe not this bad, you know, the loss to be this bad, but like, I expected this to lose. I'm not going to be like the fan, but like, some of Peters' interceptions, like, I think both of them are kind of bad. Like, the one he – there was nobody even in the range. Yeah. He threw it right to the linebacker. And I'm like, who are you throwing that to? The one where they were well, – both to- of them are bad. Wait a minute, James. Both of them were terrible. Yeah, what are yeah, you talking yeah. about? The, the second one was way worse than the first one, I feel like, though, because, like – they the first, were both bad. <laughs> and they were. They were. I'm not lying. They were both bad. But, like, I feel like the second one, like, there was, like – it was, like, nobody in the area. I mean, there was nobody in the area in both of them, but – I mean, it was just both bad. And I feel like it was smart to take him out, like you said, but obviously at that point, I don't feel like it was right. And yes, Padilla threw an interception. It, it was kind of a oh, – he threw it a little bit too far out in front of Laporta. No, okay, sure. But again – A little bit, a little bit, but it's still a chance sure. to catch it. That's fine. I, I will admit Padilla didn't play well either. But yeah. again, when you're down 16 and you're down 24, you're down 30, you, you can't evaluate uh, Alex yeah. Padilla based on one half. Put it in get, a terrible position on the road. I agree with that. I was just saying he threw it a little bit out in front of him. I'm not. I mean, obviously, I think he deserves another chance, but he threw it. Did throw it a little bit out in front of him. Still, might have been a chance he could have caught it. But I also feel like he was back far enough. You know, it's kind of hard when you're back on the goal line, and you got yeah. guys coming after you trying to make a throw like that. That's not a fair evaluation. That's especially my eyes. Like, it's not a fair evaluation. Give him the ball in the 35 or the. I'll be giving you an example, James, of how Padilla, just one play, what Padilla gives you. And we talk about Brian Ferentz's world. What, what, what would be the upside? Backyard football. Well, Backyard football. Let me, yeah, let me tell you the upside you, you just brought up. 
halfway through the third quarter, uh, Alex Padilla is about to take a sack. What does he do? He just moves slightly to the left, which gives him the ability to get rid of the football, gets the, the ball past the line of scrimmage. Even I don't even know if he was in the pocket, but he got the ball past the line of scrimmage in the direction of a receiver, incomplete. That's a difference of like seven yards. That's a play where Spencer Petras folds, and the play's over. That's been so something that, I've been. Yeah, that's been something I've been like harping on my whole like time he's been a quarterback. Like he doesn't do that, you know. And even like even if you're not gonna make the throw, right? Yeah. Like even if you're not gonna make that the complete pass, throw it at somebody's feet. You know what I'm saying? Like for Pe- for Petras, like if you're not take instead of taking the sack, throw it at somebody's feet. You know what I'm saying? Like then nobody can catch it at least. Well, part of the part of the problem, James, though, is 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 Spencer doesn't have the ability not only to move out of the pocket, he can't really move effectively inside the pocket. And yeah, I agree. That's the frustrating thing is I, I don't know why that those issues weren't able to be resolved. You don't have to be like Ricky Stanzi is a perfect example. You go back and watch Ricky Stanzi film. He understood how to move in the pocket and he was not some mobile dual threat guy, but he understood how to move in the pocket. So. He knew how to step up, side to side. Simple, right? I mean, I would think so. I'm not a former quarterback, never coached the position. But Alex demonstrated that at least a couple of times. We saw him roll out right, make a really nice throw to the sideline. And I understand we're, we're just picking a couple plays out. But Spencer's gotten six and a half games to prove something. He's proven but, nothing. But Alex you, can a couple, yeah, you can pick a couple plays out about Padilla, but you can't pick a couple plays out about the guy who's been a starter for six and a half games. So that's kind of, you know what I'm saying? That's kind of the point. It's like, and I agree with you on the Royce Graham, but I was going to say something about that too, where he like had the sack. It looked like he's going to get sacked, and then he rolled all the way back out and then, you know, found him for four or five yep. yards. That's four or five more yards than Peter. That Actually, that's like 10 more yards than Peter's would have had because he probably got sacked for five yards, you know? So like, yeah. you got to think about it that way for sure. Another thing, like, when we kicked the field goal, and that was a good kick by Drew. I'm happy he made it, you know, the 49-yard one. But it shouldn't have been a 49-yard one. Why are you calling a, a tight end screen that loses you two yards? Yeah, it was third and it was third and seven. Yeah, and they called it two, a, a, a tight end screen two yards behind the line of scrimmage. I know. No no confidence to get the ball down the field. And you don't want to talk about, well, we're playing conservative so we don't get pushed out of field goal range of the sack. Well, he still lost two yards. <laughs> that might have pushed you out you of field goal range him. already. Iowa's got a really good field goal kicker here. And I've been saying that, James, you've been watching my show. I've been saying that since summertime. I've always had confidence in Drew Stevens, and he is right now solid. Uh, to think he's a true freshman, and he's been terrific. I was happy he made it. I had faith in him to make it, too. Like, I didn't think it was something he made it. But like, if he would have missed it, it would have been more like not me questioning Drew. It would have been me more questioning why you run the screen for negative two yards. You know what I'm saying? Two yards by the line of scrimmage. Then it would have been like, oh, he missed the field goal. He shouldn't be the kicker. That would have been my, more my eyes on it. It's sure. like, sure. oh, why are you making that play? Uh, obviously, I feel like the defense played really well, especially in the first half. I kind of found it funny how we gave them short fields, right, and we held them to a field goal, right? And a lot of times we gave them longer fields, we gave up touchdowns. You see, you notice that, though? Uh, Yeah, to some extent. Um, I mean, listen, oh, there's no question, Ohio State, they're, they're kind of the kings of explosive plays, so um. Iowa held them in check much of that first half, but most of what you're talking about, I know they gave up the one longer drive in the first half, but most of those longer drives are in the second half and things were kind of just yeah. out of control at that point. Um, so True. I don't know. Might've just been kind of time and space at that yeah. point. I also was kind of, and I know this is kind of me being nitpicky. I was kind of frustrated. They kept leaving them in, even though they're up 30, they kept throwing Stroud out there and throwing the football. Like if you're going to put them out there, at least run the ball. Like that's just me being, Sure. Me, I guess that's me probably being an Iowa fan just because, you know, I don't think Kirk would do the same thing, but sure, that's just me that. Me being that. Like, why are you still throwing and throwing the ball up 30? 
you know, it's kind of a BS move to me just because, like, you're already going to beat us anyways. Our offense can't move the ball anyways, so why are you just running up the score on us? Yeah, yeah, I understand. But, I mean, I think next week would be a good idea. You do think – I think Padilla would be quarterback, but do you think there's a chance – like, Monday's going to be interesting, I feel like, what they do for the depth chart. Um, well, I don't know the depth chart means much, but, yeah, it, I guess it will be – kind of interesting well it doesn't mean anything i they still value they clearly value practice over 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 gameplay although um we'll see if i, I again i'm gonna listen to kirk's press conference we'll see if kirk brings up alex's struggles because he shouldn't because um you know uh spencer has struggled in basically every game so far this year so i i think alex will play against northwestern i think he should play i think he will i think it would just look so bad if they went back to Spencer because of one bad half when they put him in a game where they were down 16 points uh, at Ohio State, I think that would just be a really, really bad look. But we've also it, they've also proven to us, uh, Iowa has proven to us as fans and as people who cover the sport that um, they're not too concerned with how things look on the outside, or they would have made this move a lot sooner. I also think you, if you're going to play him, though, I would like to start him, you know, because then like you give him a fresh slate, you know, you're not bringing him in whether you're down. 14 up for you know what i'm saying because like those kind of things change the game you know what i mean like if you're starting them out you can start them with a fresh slate and see what he can do at least i agree but i mean it's a winnable it's a winnable game obviously you don't know if we're because it's tough but also we've been watching a little bit of their game against maryland and their quarterback the Mar- two is our to- two of brothers out but like their backup quarterbacks missing a lot of passes but like they're all getting open deep unfortunately we don't have no real vertical threat but We'll see what happens with their defense. All right, James. Appreciate yeah, but, the phone call, yep, sir. I'll talk to you later. Thank you, sir. All right. Uh, I want to address this first. Um, so this comment from uh, Mr. Boatwright. Ohio State averages 544 yards per game, Justin. 545. They had 360 in this game. Rushed for 66 yards in the game against Iowa's defense. Their rush their rush offense. Let me find their their rush offense. Um and again, Ohio, I have no doubt Ohio State is maybe the best offense in the country. So they're going to do it against almost any defense out there. They're going to have at least I I don't know how a team is going to be I don't think any team on this schedule there's zero chance that any team on this schedule on Ohio State's schedule holds them to less than 300 yards. So this comment is both ignorant and naive, Justin. All right. Do better. Ohio State's averaging 228 yards on the ground per game. They were up 44, managed 66 rushing yards for an average of 2.2 per rush. Come on. Don't sit here and try to tell me that Iowa's defense is still mediocre against elite offenses. Come on. Understand football, Justin. Understand how the game works. Understand that Iowa's offense also affects the defense, right? This theory of complementary football, Iowa doesn't play that. And until they do, the Iowa offense is always going to overshadow what is an elite defense. I'm not going to address that any further. I think it's a ridiculous comment to make that Iowa's defense is still mediocre against elite offenses. That's just not true. I don't care what the score is. Look at the numbers. If you watch the game, Justin, objectively, then you would know that. Appreciate you listening, though. All right, let's get uh, to Ryan, who's been on hold for quite some time. Ryan, welcome to the show. Corey, can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear, sir. All right, good. I got new uh, microphone. So I was on vacation for 
the last nine days. And Thursday, I was sitting in the hot tub, and an Ohio State guy, I was making the mistake wearing an Iowa hat. Ohio State guy walks up to me in the hot tub, and he says, uh, hey, you guys going to bring your offense on Saturday? And I said, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, no, the game, we play you guys on Saturday. Are you guys going to bring your offense? And I said, uh, what are you talking about? And he goes, well, you're wearing an Iowa hat. And I go, oh, am I? Oh, it's just a hat. I mean, like the last thing in the world I wanted to do is engage a fan. You know, it, life is so easy when you're an Ohio State fan. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you said something earlier that was interesting. Uh, you're, you, you advocate Kirk still staying on. And, yeah, I know it's Ohio State. We're not going to lose this bad for maybe ever, uh, score margin-wise. But it's just really shocking to me that a guy with a better resume than Kirk, I would argue, Paul Christ, is watching games on Saturday afternoons eating popcorn. Um, The problem is, Kirk... The problem with Kirk is Brian is going to be a hill that he's willing to die on, and he can afford to with that buyout. Paul Chris gets, you know, relatively speaking, a uh, measly $11 million, and uh, Kirk would be, what, mid-40s, maybe north of that, uh, 48, I think it might be. Um, couple, like that, yeah. yeah. You know, the, the thing is, is when you – have a young offensive line and it's no secret we were going to have a young offensive line from last year. I thought Connor Colby looked pretty solid as a right guard. Of course, we make him right tackle and he was terrible today. You got to have mobile quarterback to have any shot at all. You know, and you already brought up the play where uh, where Padilla was about to get sacked he still was able to throw the ball away and at least, like you said, save us seven yards. Uh, we, I, My problem is I think the transfer portal is going to be a very tough sell. When you look at the recruiting class coming in outside of Marco Lyonez, we have nothing like – okay, an in-state kid that might be a development-wide receiver. We have nothing. He's, a, he's a, By the way, he's, he's been a quarterback his whole career. And, and that's fine. We've, we, we've done things where, you know, you take quarterbacks. Heck, Chad Greenway was a quarterback in high school. Chad Greenway and, played here like 17 years ago. I know. I know. What I'm saying <laughs> is we have a very, very good record of taking quarterbacks, making them receivers. Marvin McNutt's an example. Well, that was 12 years ago. Well, I understand, but Kirk will go back 48 years and say, you know, I mean, I'm just saying you can, you, you can make a quarterback a receiver, but they have to be development receivers. I'm just saying that none of those, none of the guys that were developing these guys into receivers are are here now. None of them. Well, of of course not then is now is is here now and kirk will probably and kirk will probably say he's got a track record of taking quarterbacks changing positions cooper DeGene, you know 
you know, taking the quarterback and changing positions. Of course, Cooper's not a wide receiver. Um, but the thing is, is I think the transfer portal, like you look at next year, Padilla's probably not going to be the answer. I don't disagree with them going to him. I think Kirk is always a little late on the gun, too little, too late. It should have been probably done halftime of Iowa State, you know. But um, that being said, how are you going to get a transfer quarterback to come in to save us next year while maybe you try to quote-unquote develop Labis for the next three years later? Um, I think you look at our recruiting class coming in, we got – O-line, obviously, and some D-tackles, some defensive guys. We have nothing other than Marco coming in uh, as a skill player on offense. So, you know, the Calvary is certainly not coming. I hope to God that maybe Vines sticks around and, and does a good job. But He didn't we, get a – I don't believe he got a target today, and I know it's his He first did. He, he got one catch for five yards. Oh, did he? Was that he, the very first catch? Yeah, yeah. You probably went to the bathroom at the end of the first quarter. The first play of the second quarter was a five-yard pass to Vines. Really, I missed that completely. I guess. Yep, yep. One that he was the first. It, it, we had zero passing yards at the end of the first quarter, and then we got our first five there, and then I think uh, Laporta got one right after for seventeen. And that was our big pass of the game, 17 yards to Laporta, which actually was a really nice executed play. You know, at least that's something I guess Kirk can hang his hat on. But let me I just mean, address, before you go on, I'll let you. Yeah, yeah. Whatever you're saying, let me address this comment here from BJ. BJ, I love you. You're here constantly, but come on. There is no pressure when you come in down 16. BJ, Alex hadn't seen the field all year. He's coming in down 16 at Ohio State. His coach just got done making an ignorant, degrading comment about him a little over a week ago, uh, basically inspiring no confidence in Alex Padilla. You don't think he felt nervous and felt pressure to come in and perform down 16? Come on. I don't agree with that at all, BJ. I appreciate your comment, and I understand where you're coming from, but I don't agree at all. I don't either. I get what he's saying. I get what he's saying. When you're down 16, we well, got nothing to lose. Well, there that's not the, the more complicated situation than that. That's what I would say. Yeah, you made the comment uh, two callers ago that you're not ready for Kirk to be gone. You know, I'm sorry to say it, but I am. And You have a right to that opinion. You have absolutely every right to feel that way. And I, don't, I don't like feeling that way one bit. But the fact of the matter is Kirk's had – I would say three good offenses in 24 years, three. And two of those had mobile quarterbacks, you know, Drew Tate, Brad Banks. We may have had four decent offenses. We were okay in 2008. We're pretty good, actually, in 2008 because we had 1,850-yard rusher Sean Green. Um, who was just an absolute beast. So that took a lot of pressure off Ricky Stanzi. Ricky Stanzi was a very good quarterback, and you know, but 
I loved Ricky. I know Ricky gave us heart attacks in 2009 throughout the entire season, but I loved watching Iowa football, even that offense. Right. Now, I know you were probably barely out of diapers when Brad Banks and Dallas Clark and Maurice Brown and Clinton Solomon and those guys were around in 2002. But we averaged 36 points a game, and we actually looked, God forbid, a juggernaut on offense. And we went, and then two years later, we were down to our fifth string running back, Sam Brownlee, and we win the Big Ten, tying with Michigan, thanks to Drew Tate, because he kind of just played, you know, threw caution to the wind and was extremely mobile and capable. When you're about to get sacked, he could, you know, move his feet and get around it, throw on the run, sling it, and we won the Big Ten with that guy at quarterback. Then we get away from that whole model and go back to, you know, the vertical pass game, dink and dunk, this, that, and the other. And I don't know. It's just everyone wants Brian gone, myself included. Uh, You know, the nepotism thing doesn't help anything. We've already, you know, talked about that ad nauseum. But Kirk is the problem here. He really likes ball control, boring offense. He's perfectly happy winning 10 to 7. But the problem is if you can't move the chains like today, your offense, your excuse me, your defense is going to be on the field for 40 out of 60 minutes. They're going to get gassed. Bad things are going to happen even to a defense that is playing its ass off. And so uh I, 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 I think, number one, for those who still are not sold on Kirk needs to go, just remember this. He made his career here on his two defensive coordinators, no doubt about it. And I would argue LeVar Woods as well today. But you sell your, you, you know, your, your wins came on the back of defense primarily, and that's fine, but there are three phases of football in one of these phases is just tremendously forgotten about. It's terrible malfeasance. I do not see how we're ever going to be able to recruit good talent in this offense. And let's see what the conversation is come November, December, after the Nebraska game. You know, you just the other night had Arlon Bruce III on, the father of Arlon number 4, And you heard like I heard, he kind of implied that it's on the table that he's going to be leaving after this year. He didn't say he didn't say he was, but he did mention Kansas and Miami as possibilities. But let's see how things work out, yada, yada, yada. I can't be surprised. I would be shocked if Keegan Johnson stays. You lose Sam. I mean, what what are we going to have? What are we going to have? You can always say, well, go to the transfer portal. Number one, I think Kirk hates the transfer portal. Number two, I really don't know who would want to put their chips on Iowa's offense like this. I I appreciate uh, a lot of what you just got done saying, Ryan, and I do need to move on because I got a buttload of callers to get to, but um, I I got a lot to respond to. So uh, definitely we're going to continue this conversation tomorrow. Hopefully you'll be able to be back on, but uh, uh, I, I agree with much of what you just said. 
Thank you. Thank you, Ryan. All right. Uh, we got a plethora of calls. We got somebody on holding the phone. Thank you for calling Iowa Post Game here from the Hawkeye of the Storm and Iowa Football, the voice of college football. Who's on the line? Lomansky on the phone, Mr. Corey. Lomansky. How you doing, sir? I, uh, I'm not going to answer that question, but I will uh, thank you for what you're doing this season because to be in your chair is is very, very difficult from your perspective and for me just what you have to do on this call-in show. I just want to thank you, and I'm urging people to hit the like button. You know, we got 400 people watching, and we're not even half on the like button, and that's bad, bad offense. And I just can't stand in any more bad offense anywhere, even on football. Please yes, hit the like button. If you're watching the show, folks, uh, follow what Lemansky's saying. Please scroll down and just hit that little thumbs up button, the like button. That helps. Thank you, Lemansky. You're welcome. Um, not to spend much time on it, but folks. The guy that's sitting in his lawn chair that hasn't done much fry with football because he's had it easy, he's inherited the great moves by Bob Bowlesby and, and Bump Elliott, is Gary Barda. And, boy, wouldn't you like to have his job regarding Iowa football sitting in your lawn chairs for all these 20-some years? And I'll end my conversation about Barda, but that's the only person I believe now that can really put the pressure on to make changes in our offense um i'm so proud of our defense and uh you compliment you Corey. the michigan ohio state following especially the michigan following on your channel is is amazing and uh i guess i won't comment on mr boat right i think that's enough you're going to be class iowa fans won't say too much but the ohio state defense is better but not to give the iowa defense their uh, their due is 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 mind boggling. I got a statistic for you, Corey, and I've I've tried to figure out just what the defense is carrying game to game to game, and I went back historically, and maybe you don't like any more historical references tonight. You seem a little touchy. It's the here and now is what matters, and I I think you're right. The here and now does matter. This is for perspective. The second year of the Hayden Fry era, he had three quarterbacks. I am leading to something. Pete Gales, Gordy Bohannon, and Phil Suth was a Seuss, S-U-E-S-S, was a running quarterback. 33 touchdowns that season. If we're on our current base pace of touchdowns, we're going to have about 14. So to the Hawk fans out there, that's a good measurement of just how little we're doing for our defense. Third thing I'd like to mention is coaching. I've coached at such a low level, but understand just the what you can do for other people, whether you're doing it at the grade school level or college football. The first play of the game, Corey, they roll out Spencer to the left. Your job is to make people as comfortable as possible. You're in the shoe, you're away. You haven't proven you can throw the ball downfield and you don't have a passing game, but you've got, you got KJ in the backfield and they, you saw they, what they did running wide. So what do you do? You take a quarterback, and I'm, I'm really leading to just how worthless the scheme is, just worthless. Roll the quarterback left, first play of the game, the hardest rollout for any quarterback. I want Don to talk about this. 
tomorrow, force him to sh- throw a pass left. I just, I, I, I'm just, I, I'm at a loss for words, Corey. I'd like you to comment. I just, I, I've, I've never been so angry at a first play of the game in my, I'm not, and I, I shouldn't get angry, but keepers, you're a coach. You're supposed to put your players in a position to win. I'd like you to comment on that. Just how we put people in positions to, to, to be successful, including Charlene Jones, including Tyrone Chasey, Tracy. I even think Keegan Johnson is underutilized. I want you to talk. Well, I, I, I am reminded of the first play of, from scrimmage offensively for Iowa against Wisconsin in 2021 when they came out and empty, all right, with Spencer Petrus. I, I, I don't understand. I think uh, at times uh, maybe we're trying to outsmart our opponent. We're actually outsmarting ourselves. Um, you know, that first play of the game, Lemansky is complicated by the fact that uh, Spencer – uh, from the moment that ball was snapped, appeared to lock in on whoever he, I don't even know who it was intended for. I mean, just locked in on him um, with no, re- seemingly no regard for the defense. And that was really what's concerning is we saw Nate Stanley at times throw the ball straight to a defender, maybe once every couple of games. And it was kind of confounding when you saw Spencer do that twice in the first half. I mean, right to an Ohio state defender. Um, I think he lacks complete confidence right now and he doesn't have an OC or a head coach that knows how to build confidence in him and because you're right I I, I didn't think about it until you just brought it up but yeah rolling him left to start the game um, an unnatural movement for a right-handed quarterback I, I will be interested to get Don Patterson's take on that because uh, and I, I have a feeling of what Don will say but um, there's just so much wrong with this offense so much and, you know, that's why when I saw Alex struggling in that second half, and I, I was rooting for the kid, um, when I saw him struggling in the, in the second half, I thought there are going to be some. There are going to be some apologists out there, some Kirk Ferentz, Brian Ferris apologists out there. They're still, you know, they've they've been digging trenches to hide from the masses for the last six weeks, but they're still out there, all right? They're still out there, and they're going to say, well, look what Padilla is, hey, but Petrus wasn't the problem. See, those are called one-dimensional fans that don't understand the game, and I am by no means some grandiose expert, but I think we can both agree, Lemansky, this offense has clearly demonstrated that there are so many issues. It all comes back to coaching. And when you have bad play calling, you have bad quarterback play, you lack re- uh, talent at receiver, uh, your your line can't block, uh, you don't understand how to manage the clock, although they haven't had as many situations where the clock has been an issue this year. Um, I, I, I think it just comes back to coaching completely. And I, you know, I, I, I feel bad for Spencer Petrus because he's been the scapegoat through the first half of the season. And I felt bad for Alex Padilla being put in the situation he was put in, in the second half today, but either way, you know, you're absolutely right. The Iowa coaches specifically play callers. And that's particularly Brian Ferentz. They don't put their quarterback in a position to succeed more often than not. And that includes Spencer Petrus. That's a, that's a good point you made Lemansky. And to follow that up, I'm, I'm totally off. Or, I mean, I'm not totally off cause I'm a human being. I don't want to criticize Spencer Petrus at all. We're long past that point where you're supposed to look out for your young men. These are 18 to 22 year old people. 
you asked somebody about when was your turning point. And this will surprise you, Corey, by me. I turned somewhat last year before we got blown out by Michigan in the Big Ten championship game. I just watch them not getting their younger quarterbacks on the field. And forgive me, Corey, Pete Gales and Gary Bohannon were inherited from the Bob Cummings era. Second year of Hayden, they brought in Phil Seuss. 1981, folks, they went to the Rose Bowl. But they had three quarterbacks on the field in that 1980 year. Last year, talk about developing the offensive side of the ball. Let's talk about something more fun. Let's talk about Phil Parker on the defensive side of the ball, putting our corners on an island against perhaps the leading Heisman Trophy winner candidate. Phil Parker is so intelligent. He said, this is how we can win this game and hang. We'll put pressure on the quarterback. We'll put our guys on an island. And let's just see this Heisman Trophy winner carve us up in the first half. And he could not do it because we had a genius defensive scheme and, and coordinator. And I, after today's game, Corey, I'm not so sure Phil Parker's is as important as uh, Kirk Ferentz. I just, I have so much admiration for him as a coach that, uh, you know, he kind of showed something into our, my respect to the Ohio State people in the chat that got some lot of stuff wrong today in the chat. I, I would be a little bit worried about C.J. Strong going down the rest of the year. He's an excellent quarterback, but I he didn't win the Heisman today. I'll hang up and listen to the show And uh, if you're done with me, and thanks for all you do on these tough uh, chats when uh, things are going the wrong way. I'm I'm hanging on my 7-5, and five, Corey, but I'm not that all, altogether confident. I'm getting more worried every day. Well, you hang on to it tight, and we'll talk to you tomorrow night with Coach Patterson. Thanks, sir. All right. Um, I'll tell you this, folks. I'll just mention this before we get to our next caller, and we got about 30 to 40 minutes more here in the show, and then we'll be back tomorrow. we got some callers here on, on hold. Um, let me just say this. As it relates to the uh, coaching vacancy that's going to occur here, I don't know, in the next few years, I don't think Kirk's going to be here till 2029, 20, 2030. I, I just, I don't think he is going to be. Uh, if this job opens up in the next couple of years, the head coaching job opens up, uh, I'm going to backtrack on what I said during the off season when I said my number one target would be Bob Stoops. It's no longer Bob Stoops. It's no longer Bob Stoops. He'd be number two. The number one person I'm targeting for my head coaching job is Phil Parker. Because the guy deserves it. He's 60, or how old is Phil? It's like 50, late 50s, I want to say. Actually, younger than I thought. Uh, Phil Parker is 59 years old. And I don't care if he coaches for five years or 10 years. You offer him the job. He brings in a defensive mind. Perhaps it's LeVar Woods. Maybe. Maybe LeVar ends up being your DC and Phil works with him. You bring in a DC that's going to work within the confines of what Phil wants on defense. And he's proven more than proven that to, to be um, adequate and uh, acceptable. Uh, And then you trust Phil to go get an offensive mind. And I would think the suffering that Phil has to be going through watching this offense night in and night out, day in and day out, week in and week out would be enough for him to go find the best possible candidate for the position. Let's go to OS for Hawks, who's on the line. How are you doing, sir? Corey, I'm doing great. How are you? 
doing okay. Um, I am not shocked by this result, disappointed to say the least. I'm sure you feel the same. I do. Um, I just say you looked a little stressed. Take deep breath. We'll get through this. Um, just some comments. Offensive execution. Not good. Uh, earlier caller talked about the wide receiver screen to Laporta on the third down, and we lost two yards. Nick Lachey whiffed on the block on that screen. Complete whiff. Um, well, I think- I think let me just defend Luke for a second on that play. I'd go back and look at it again, but I think the Ohio State corner read that perfectly and just got there before Luke did. And even if he, even if Luke had laid that block, there was another defender. Laporta was not getting that first down. Yeah, but that, that, well, I'm just talking on execution across the board. I get uh, you. Connor Colby, another third down situation, completely whiffed on the block, um, and good. I don't know if you you noticed. Ferentz, Brian Ferentz, was grabbed his head and just shook his head like, I can't believe. I don't know what the play call was on the field, but he was he was upset when, when um, that happened. Which, which, um, play was it? Was, which play was this? It was a third down play on, on a um, – and we got sacked. I don't remember – it was early in the, earlier in the game, Petrus. We'd actually moved the ball a little bit, and we had like third and four, and we going back to pass, and Connor Colby just completely whiffed on the block, and yeah. we didn't have a chance. Um, I, I guess what I'm I'm trying to get at is, is we're so focused on wanting to get rid of a coach that we're and, – and understandably, I guess my point is, is that the offense is not executing, and that is on – the offensive coordinator. I mean, yeah. plain and simple. It is. Um, You're absolutely right on that. That's a good and, point to be made. The, the the onus falls on Brian. Everyone's to blame Kirk, and you're right. Kirk has to step up and make a change, and so he's responsible for not making the change. But the offense itself still falls on the offensive coordinator, and I know Don Patterson has said that that, that is a fact. He's the one making the play calls on game day. And one last point. We did not play very well on special teams today. Uh, the fake punts, obvious. That's not. There was also a situation where we didn't had, have a fair catch and we ended up on the two-yard line. I mean, that ball could have been played in the air and we're not, we don't have our backs up against the wall. That's what I'm talking to execution. Um and the other thing that I see is we have a real lack of wide receiver talent. And my last point is I'm afraid everybody wants changes at quarterback and it won't hurt. But unfortunately, behind this offensive line, I don't think any quarterback is going to shine because there are some real issues on the offensive line. There are so many situations where you see blocks aren't handed off properly or um, – uh, blocks aren't picked up. And one last key one that I saw today about execution on offense. Um, Padilla got sacked. Um, there was a blitz. The linebacker and the safety came all from the left, from the right side of our offense, left side of the defense. Um, I don't know if it was Lachey or Laporta went out. And it, I, you could see the Padilla wanted to throw the ball, but they're not looking back for the ball. Um, 
I would think on offense, if you see, you know, a space being vacated because there's a blitz on, that you should on offense think of looking for the ball because, you know, you get what I'm under. I'm trying to say is the tight end should have been looking for the ball immediately. And we yeah. got sacked. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, again, the problems are, are all around. And, um, the one thing I will say, if, as far as special teams, you brought special teams up, not being very good. Let, I know I, I sound like a defender of Drew Stevens, but he was he made the 50-yarder, and he was good on kickoffs again. So That, I, I just, that part was great. I've just said yeah. that there was a couple things on special teams today that could have improved. The kicking game was you – know, the punt, punting wasn't that great. And, there, you know, like I said, receiving um, – you know, you can help your offense by making plays sometimes. But, um, but I love your show, and – Chin up for all of us. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thanks. Yeah. All right. Take care. All right. We got Brian Ference, uh in our chat. He says, "Did you expect to win today? No. A loss is a loss. Six turnovers isn't the coach's fault. That's interesting. It's all on the players for lack of execution." Thanks, Brian. Appreciate the super chat. Let's go on to Grant, who's been on hold for a long time. Grant, how you doing? I'm doing good, Corey. How are you? I am hanging in there. Yeah, yeah, but we all are right now. Um, I guess, I guess my my biggest issue right now is, uh, I guess we can kind of talk about the the kind of micro systems in terms of like individual plays and individual execution, and obviously that's, you know, obviously that's a big problem, right? If you can't block anybody you're you're just not going to have positive yardage and good plays but i think um i think at the end of the day here it just kind of comes back to the offensive scheme and philosophy that um kind of underpins the Kirk Ferentz sort of uh mode of thinking in terms of his style of offense right um i think Certainly, when you're when you're running this sort of offense, uh, and I'm not going to act like I know a whole lot about scheme and stuff like that. But when you're running this sort of I formation pro style offense, you know, two tight ends, whatever, two wideouts, you know, fullback sometimes. That style of offense, the its success is kind of predicated on you. If you do not have a good offensive line for that style of offense. I mean, you're just going to keep slugging it up the middle and you're not getting anything. I mean, we saw that, we see that, you know, past couple of years with the offensive line running straight up the middle and, and there's, there's nothing doing. And obviously when you drop back to pass, there's nothing there. And so I, I think there's, you know, there's only so much you can do with a, with a pretty awful offensive line, all things told, but I think there are probably ways that you could scheme for um, plays that play to your stre- strengths. Now, I'm not sure what Absolutely. kind of st- strengths we have, but cool. Well, let's let's talk about this strength for a second, Grant. What is Spencer Petrus's best trait? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I would say, I would say he has a strong arm. Correct. Right? His deep ball. 
He's actually pretty accurate with his deep ball. Yep. When's the last time I was taking a shot down the field with Spencer? And I get you people can say, well, he doesn't have time. We don't look down the field we, enough. We do right? not. Yeah. And we so don't. That's, you're you're yep. absolutely right. Playing to strengths would involve if you're going to keep doubling down on Spencer Petras, then play to his strength. Figure out a way to get him down the field, to get that arm going. I, I, I don't understand yep. the reason the reasoning on that either. And that's why what frustrated me against Illinois when it was third down and goal at the 14, and I know Don Patterson actually disagreed with me on this, and that's fine. Don and I had a conversation about it following the show. Um, to me, we, you know, we're, we're playing – out of not only out of we have first of all we have guys playing out of position Sam Laporta he's not doing yeah. it as much now as he was and he got some health back but he was playing as a wideout you have Spencer Petrus trying to make throws that even though they should be simple throws for a Big Ten quarterback to make they're not throws right. that he's good at making uh, you're not taking shots down the field for some reason you, you, Iowa refuses to. Uh, once you get in the red was it Scott Doctorman who published something and I'm not a subscriber of the Athletic but I. I kind of heard through the grapevine basically the gist of it base iowa basically never throws into the end zone once they're inside the red yeah. zone and they're always throwing yeah. short expecting playmakers to find a way cr- across the goal line and that's a perfect example of iowa not playing to the strengths of your defense you've got a or your offense you've got great tight ends you p- perceive conceivably you have a good wide receiving threat in the red zone in brody brecht who's tall who you'd assume can make some catches. We're not seeing him being utilized. I know he's young, but no, I think you're onto something. And schematics, look, I'm not a former OC. Don Patterson's a great person to talk about schematics with, but it's clear that the the scheme is uh, part of the issue, if not a big part of the issue. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's, I feel like there's way you can, ways you can not completely change like your identity as an offense, right? But there, there are things you can do to, you know, give more misdirection, have more uh, pre-snap motion, you know, have different formations in the backfield in terms of running back positioning and where the tight ends are lined up and stuff like that, like pistol formation, shotgun. You know, there's things you can do to – I don't know if this is – a little smoke and mirrors a little bit in terms of pre-snap lineups where it's like, okay – most of the time we're lining up, you know, behind center, one back in the backfield and like, like three wide outs and a tight end. It's, it's, it's pretty, it's very predictable. And it just goes back to, you know, you, you have the poor offensive line so they can just rush for sit there in the box and play man. And they don't have to worry about anything. I, and I, and I just agree that the, the, uh, there was a caller earlier who brought up the, I believe it was a third and nine and we were on there on their like 30 yard line or something like that, driving a little bit. And the play you have drawn up to, to possibly, you know, tie the game or go ahead. I forget what the score was at that point at Ohio state, you know, you have a chance to, to really make it a game and stay in the game and you throw a tight end screen pass behind the line of scrimmage. It just, and we've seen this before where it's the the play calling and the scheming you're you're playing scared you're playing extremely conservatively and 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 it just it's it's kind of pathetic cuz you're just you're not playing to win the game you know you don't want to question like the player's heart of course they want to win the game but you it, it goes back to 
aggressiveness and 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 confidence too you know so yeah absolutely it's uh, frustrating all, all great points grant i agree yep well Corey, appreciate the show um keep doing your thing and we'll uh i guess we'll just wait for basketball season huh it's really interesting the basketball team they're almost mirror opposites the basketball and the football team with each other you know it's, they have each have their issues the basketball team it's been defense and the football team, it's their offense. And, you know, I guess uh, look forward to see what Fran has going on here. That's right. We got uh, a little over a week before uh, the exhibition yep. against Truman oh, State. Yeah. I appreciate the phone call, Grant. Yeah, of course. Thank you, sir. All right. We've got Paul waiting, and we've got somebody on the phone line as well. Um, no sticks, no bricks, says it's basketball season yet. And a reminder to everybody, if you've missed the announcement – Announced this last week, Iowa postgame with Coach Gary Close returning for the 2022-23 men's basketball season right here from the Hawkeye of the Storm. So you're watching this on our Iowa football at the Voice of College football channel. Mark Rogers and his terrific work, one of his many Iowa fo- or many college football channels. Swing over to From the Hawkeye of the Storm for Iowa postgame with Coach Gary Close live after uh, Iowa basketball games throughout the season. So great content along the way, uh, or I should say in the hopper. And um, I'm looking forward to it, too. I think Iowa's got an opportunity to surprise some people in a Big Ten conference that I think might be down a bit. Um, And if you missed our uh, preseason show with Coach Close, check that out on the channel as well. We welcome Paul to the show. Paul, good to see you again, sir. Good to see you. What are your thoughts on the 44-point defeat? Uh, No surprise. Uh, I was surprised by the amount of turnovers, though. That was really surprising. We haven't been doing offense, but we haven't turned the ball over very much either. So that was very unusual. Uh, I had a couple thoughts written down. Uh, When uh, Padilla came in and when he fumbled the ball for the first time, a thought occurred to me, and I really hope this isn't the case. I hope a reporter asks Kurt about this. Uh, I really hope that wasn't his first time taking snap with the first-team offense. Because, boy, it looked like it. Well, let's be honest. The exchanges have not been great between Logan Jones and Spencer Petrus either. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. But so, just, I mean, but you're right. It's I, I, I would attribute the issue there to there's obviously problems between Logan Jones and his quarterback, whoever that is, and then putting Alex in that position. I just feel bad for Alex. They had a 27-point uh I shouldn't say beat down, because, but it was 27-0 in the fourth quarter against Nevada. And what they do out of two rain delays, they kept sending Spencer Petrus back out there. Alex Padilla hadn't seen the field. That's what's so disgraceful about this. And you bring him out at halftime of the Ohio State game. Yeah, and I, I really hope that wasn't a spur-of-the-moment decision. Like I said, I really hope he practiced with the first team this week at least a little bit to get used to the, the starters out there because – it did not look like he did this week, if very much at all. So, well, let's just—I I will say this: I, I'm, I'm going to double down on this thought. Uh, people have said to me in the past, "Well, Al, if you go back and, and look at Alex's stats from last year, he was actually worse than Spencer. The numbers were marginally worse. If you go back and watch those games, watch the Northwestern game, watch the Minnesota game." Um, he was okay against Illinois. Struggled in the first half against Nebraska. Got pulled. 
But you watch those those first three games, Minnesota, Northwestern, Illinois. He played better than Spencer Petrus. Okay, he did. Uh, and he had a lot of drops. We're talking Reganey dropping balls, Keegan Johnson dropping balls. And, you know, hopefully that that's not, you know, hopefully that's something that can be resolved and his receivers can catch the football. But I still will double down on the, the theory, the, the, the opinion that la- even last year, Alex Padilla was better than Spencer Petrus when both guys were healthy. And so I, I think he deserves, I think Alex deserves to start against Northwestern. And I, Paul, I think he'll play. Now, I know Northwestern's not very good, so I'm not going to anoint him. But even against mediocre defenses, Paul, South Dakota State's defense, I don't know where they rank in the FCS. That's an offensive football team, and it's an FCS football team. And we know what happened in that game offensively from Spencer Petras and this offense. So if Alex Padilla goes out and plays really well against Northwestern, then he's your starting quarterback until further notice. Totally. Absolutely. I would agree with that. Uh, I love your piece this week on the O-line. That I think that's one of the best pieces out of any media covering Iowa, by the way. Uh, well, that actually it. explained the problem. That was, that was perfect. Um, I appreciate that. And piggybacking off that, uh, this this is going to be a very slow process, getting our O-line better. Uh, it's it's going to be multi-year. It, after today, it's pretty obvious. And remember, Paul, here's the other thing. So whatever the issue is, and if you watch that video I produced, I didn't identify – uh, the reason why, but just the 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 effects of whatever is causing players to leave the program, to transfer, to quit football. I know some of it's been injuries, <laughs> but those problems haven't. It's not like all of a sudden now they've figured it out and that was just a blip on the radar. Right now, what if, for whatever reason, David Davidkov is not with the team. He's another example, <laughs> and he was tw- class of twenty twenty one. He's not with the team. So whether that's health-related, personal, here's another one. Here's another four-star offensive lineman, Paul, that Iowa brings in. Who knows if he's ever going to play? And there was a tweet from Justin Britt here a a few weeks ago. I don't know if you saw this tweet, Paul, but uh, it kind of makes you believe that maybe he's checked out a bit. I hope not. I hope he comes back and has a chance to be a sixth-year super senior story. Uh, but I don't know that the problems up front have been resolved. And I, I don't necessarily blame George, George Barnett. I don't know who you blame. I think it's just a series of very unfortunate events uh, with offensive line recruits right now. There's not well, one thing. It's, it's just a, a whole series of things. Well, you think it's just unfortunate or you think it's a pattern of of, of a bigger issue? I think when you have that many guys, I think it's a it's 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 an inherent issue. You got a problem somewhere. I don't think it's a coincidence. I don't think you can attribute all these. I don't think you can attribute Noah Fenske and Ezra Miller and D- David Cobb and and in sleeving. And I understand some of these guys dealt with injuries, but you know the the kid from Norwalk, uh, whose name always seems to escape me when I'm live. <laughs> um, I'm just saying they've. I, I think it's too many guys to just attribute it to coincidences. They've never had this type of an issue back to back to back to back to back with linemen. They have not had. If you go through those linemen, you watch that piece that I produced. They have not had a lineman, an offensive line recruit, developed into an NFL, or at least even a, someone we perceive to be a future NFL talent since probably the 2016 class. That was six years ago. I mean, Linderbaum was a defensive tackle coming out of high school, and they—they they, I give him credit. They developed him into an offensive lineman. But no, there there are concerns right now. But you can point a lot of different directions. Was it Tim Polisek? Was he the problem? Is it George Barnett? Yeah, I don't think you can attribute everything to Barnett because these problems started long before Barnett got here. Or is it Chris Doyle? But again, Chris Doyle was gone in 2020, and the problem started probably in 2018, 2019 because they were bad up front in 2019. 
There's a lot of yeah. different directions you can take that conversation. Yep. Um, and moving on here, I I saw a tweet from Mike Colossus from the Gazette. This surprised me. Iowa today gave up the most points against a team since 1995. So that means this is the most points Kurt Ferentz has given up in his coaching career today. That shocked me. Wow. That's incredible. That's an incredible stat, uh, Paul. And I'll say this too. I, I would venture to say, and I'm, I could be wrong on this, I would venture to say this might, you know, for Power 5 football games, Power 5 matchups all season, This will. I, I'm guessing this will probably be the most points scored by a team with, with paired with, I, I, how do I phrase this? I don't think there's ever been, I don't think there will be, I don't think there has been all season a game where a team scored this many points with this few of yards. Like I said, I keep going back to that. 360 yards, they put up 54. <laughs> yep. That's just insane to me. That's an insane number. I don't think we're going to see that the rest of the season. And I, the other thing that's just amazing was the time of possession. I think we're only 45 seconds left in the time of possession. I don't know how you do that either. I, I, no, I, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you do that either. And, and let me just address this. So this comment from uh, – um, Show show do do Wuken. Okay, so he, he's bringing up, of course, Tristan Wirfs, who was, I, I give him, you're right, he was a 17 kid. All right, the the video I published was, as you know, Paul was mainly 18, 19, 20, and 21. So I shouldn't say the last six since 2016. They did have Wirfs in 17, and I believe uh, Alaric Jackson was 16 without looking uh, back. So okay, I'll give you that. They had Tristan Wirfs in 17, and then of course Linderbaum that developed into an offensive lineman. So I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah. And uh, being from Mount Vernon, uh, worst played both sides of the ball as linemen. So whatever you, whatever they recruited him as. So. And how much did they, I mean, I don't mean to take away from that, but boy, he, he was, how much did they, did anybody really need to develop Tristan Wirfs? I mean, he, <laughs> let's, just say, let's just say that he was not Austin Blythe. He was not Ike Betger. Uh, he was not, uh, uh, what's the guy from the Ravens uh, whose name escapes me. Um, Marshall Yonda, he was not Yonda. He he, Wirfs was a freak. Not taken away from what Iowa did is they obviously got him ready for the league, but he's kind of the exception to the rule. Yeah, he he would be, absolutely. Um, then uh, I I also found it interesting just looking up at uh, Sports Reference after this game. Uh, last time Iowa did not go bowling was 2012, so I think that's going to happen, and though. I went and looked at Kurt Ferentz's worst year, his first year where he only won one game. Do you want to know, uh, Corey, how many points per game they had when the season was done? Tell me. 14.7. Do you want to know where they're at right now? 13? They're at 14 even. So that's pretty bad. This could be statistically the worst – offense under Kurt Ferentz's career worse than the one game win year that and the sad part is uh look looking at that uh they actually scored 31 points that year against a team that there's no way a team this team could do that absolutely they they scored 27 against Rutgers they scored 27 against Nevada but I don't think they're getting in the 30s I mean, the Rutgers game, they got help from 
Nevada's terrible. Rutgers, they got help from uh, the defense. 14 points is scored from the defense. So I, I, that's, that's a fair fair point. But then looking at that 99-year, there was only one game they didn't score a touchdown, and we're up to three now, right? Uh, offensive touchdown. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, you are right. You are right. At least three, but just off the top of my head, South Dakota State, Illinois, and uh, in this game, and they nearly didn't score one against Rutgers, right? They scored yeah, that was, one touchdown, was, right, against Rutgers. One touchdown, yep. So oh when we're yeah. comparing the '99 season to this season, you know it's not good. I agree. So I don't know what else you do, and uh, thanks for highlighting my quote. Uh, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting the same results, and I feel like that's what we're doing. Offensively. What we've done, what we do offensively, we've done it for years. All right, Paul, I appreciate your calls as always, sir. Thank you, Corey, and you uh, have a good day. And just remember, everyone, the sun will come up tomorrow. Sun will come up, and we'll have a show with Don at seven. Thank you, sir. All right, um, appreciate some positivity here. He says, John says, let's be positive here. Think uh, of all the money us fans will save from not going to a bowl ship has not sailed quite yet on that. By the way, uh, somebody who brought up James Daniels, James Daniels was a 2015 recruit. So just as a side note to that, um, Jordan, one of our premium subscribers. Thank you, Jordan, for being a subscriber. What are the odds of Petrus making the start next week? Or have we fully moved on? Uh, I'm not going to say we fully moved on. I think Padilla will start. I'd say, 80% chance Padilla starts. I think they're going to give him a game. But we've, as they proved against Nebraska last year, the leash is shorter for the shorter guy, Alex Padilla. CS Music Factory. Corey, what are the chances we see Barnett go over Brian at the end of the season? Oh, man. I, I sure hope not because George Barnett doesn't deserve that. Uh, I think Brian is gone. So I'd like to, th- I think that Kirk, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt that he will not fire a guy after two seasons because I don't think that's fair to an offensive line coach that inherited. A problem, and I know they played well in 2020. Hard to put any stock in that uh, after all we've seen here. All right, um, Roman says didn't say anything was invincible. The run game was a concern. Talking about Ohio State, but putting up that many points on a defense that is top 15 at least is impressive, regardless of circumstances. And let me just acknowledge this to Ohio State fans: I am not by me saying Iowa's defense was impressive, trying to take anything away from Ohio State. I think Ohio State very well could be the best team in the country. I really believe they probably are. And some of the throws that C.J. Stroud made in the second half, wow. Uh, that's what an offense is. And I'm just surprised they didn't get more than 360 yards. But credit to the Iowa defense. The Iowa Ohio State offense is legit. Those numbers, 360 yards, Iowa holding them to 66. Those are impressive numbers for Iowa. But impressive numbers, you could say, for Ohio State, too, because they're going up against one of the best defenses in the country in Iowa. And they did it. Iowa was doing it without a uh, – capable offense eric question can we get paul christ as the oc well good question um i believe he's a former quarterback right um that wouldn't be a terrible that would not be an it would it would be a kirk ferentz type of move but um of course something has to happen with brian before that uh, could potentially come into play the voice of college football mark rogers is here holding mine williams to 19 yards on 10 carries is unheard of remarkable rush defense i agree what improvement too remember they struggled to, to contain blake Corum, and i think the pair of running backs ohio state has are every bit as dynamic as blake Corum is um and uh, i i agree with mark a tremendous effort on the ground by this iowa defense bj 
is Keegan Johnson not playing because he knows how bad our offense is? He can't be hurt this long, can he? Um, again, from what I've been told, I'm not comfortable repeating what I've been told because it's not on, I, I can't confirm it, and it's not something that that Keegan has divulged and not something the university has stated publicly, but I get the feeling that we're probably not going to see Keegan the rest of the year. I'll just say that. I would be surprised if we see him in an Iowa uh, uniform next year as well. I'd just be surprised. Not saying it's impossible, but I'll be surprised. Charles, thank you for the compliment, Charles. Always appreciate you being here and for everybody being here. Trent brings up a good uh, comment. How about a flea flicker? When's the last time Iowa ran pitch back to quarterback? Been a long time. Michigan State, Don's brought this up a number of times. Michigan State runs that multiple times per year, and it tends to work, even though Michigan State's not having a great year. That uh, Mel Tucker uh, and that offense, they've ran it at least once or twice every year since he's been there. I don't think Iowa's ran that for three, four years. Steven, appreciate the super chat. Does this mean Padilla will be the QB moving forward since he was favored in the second half instead of Petrus? Um, I would I would venture to say that he is the quarterback against Northwestern, but the leash is shorter, as I mentioned a minute ago, for Alex. So I would not be shocked to see Petrus play again this season. Um, I, I'm rooting for, for Alex to play better because I think he gives them a better chance to win, but we'll find out as long as they uh, give him a chance against Northwestern. Ryan disagrees with me, says uh, that uh, Brian will not be gone next year. Um, I, I see a lot of people disagree with that. Okay, well, we'll see. Uh, Steve doesn't agree at, uh, either. I just have a feeling I think they'll find a way for him to move on. I just do. I, th- I think it's going to be hard to uh, to defend keeping him on, although it's hard to defend keeping him on right now. James, who uh, tried to call in earlier but had to get going uh, before we got to him, my question is why are we in seven games in and just now seeing uh, Padilla? Fair, fair question. That's a question for uh, Kirk Ferentz. Let's get to our caller on hold. Thank you for calling Iowa Post Game here from the Hawkeye of the Storm and Iowa football at the Voice of College Football. Who's on the line? Uh, CJ from Cedar Rapids. Hey, CJ. Hey, um, so I don't know if you've noticed this, but have you noticed the last like three or four years, Iowa has really struggled coming off a bye week? Do you think that's just because that's coaching or do you think it's players or what do you think it is? I think it's a valid, it's a valid point, CJ. And um, part of it is they've had bye weeks before two teams. They don't match up very well with, they don't historically match up well with Wisconsin. They got their, you know, tails beat in last year against Wisconsin out of the bye week. And of course they're just completely overmatched against Ohio state. So opponent has a lot to do with it, but clearly it doesn't appear that a bye week has made any difference in Iowa's performance. Yeah, so like a few a few years ago, there was like a meme going around about like, oh, we have a bye week. Here's another week that we're not gonna like do anything. And like, I know you said that like during the bye week that they should like plan for like three or four teams or like like two two or three teams to get to like bowl eligibility. But it doesn't even seem like they did that. Like, I know you were talking about how the offense, um, like, like I felt like today they had some really bad penalties again. And I know you said during the bye week that, that Cook might fix that, but it's like today I felt like every time they were moving on the field, it was like, oh, false start. So it wasn't like holding, but it was like a false start at a really bad time and things like that. It's just like I feel like they don't do anything during the bye week other than just come and like, you know, bash players or whatever, like during media time. Well, we'll say this. Um, let's just give Phil Parker's defense credit. I mentioned it a few minutes ago, but uh... – I saw an improvement in stopping the run 
because Illinois ran pretty effectively against Iowa. Michigan ran effectively against Iowa. Ohio State did not. So at least on that side of the ball, I saw an improvement out of the bye week. Yeah, that's true. Um, do you think, and I've noticed like like even today, when Padilla is in the game, do you feel like the offense is a little smoother? Like even today, him like even I know he struggled at times, like even after the interception and fumble, him booting out to the right, I like freaked out for a second because I was like, you, I haven't seen a quarterback scramble like that <laughs> at Iowa in a few minutes. And even though he hit Laporta for like five yards or six yards, I got excited because I was like, that's what we should have had in the first half was him playing, like him playing. Because like that one interception that uh, Petras threw, that was the pick six, it's because he didn't step up. He saw the guy rushing and just stayed there. If he would have, if Padilla was in, he probably would have stepped to the right or left and at least like thrown it. There was a play um, where a linebacker or something was blitzing and like Padilla was almost sacked and he threw it like away and he still almost hit, I think it was like Laporta or something. And the TV was like, oh, that's a sack. Oh no, never mind. He got it away. And I was like, that would have been a sack for Petras. Padilla almost hit the guy at least. Yeah, I mean, that's the advantage of having a guy who's even semi-mobile. And Alex Padilla, he's not a dual threat, but he's semi-mobile. And I honestly wish, I, um, I think it's a failure on Iowa's part for not rolling him out more in the second half. I hope that they integrate that more against Northwestern. But they didn't really do that much last year when he was playing. So I think play to his strengths, get him rolling out to the right and uh, see what he can do with his arm and with his legs. Yeah, um, what was your thought about uh, what I was thinking was going to happen was after the interception and fumble, I was worried Cook was going to roll Petras back out there and be like, see, look, he's actually not better than, like, like you know, how, like, sometimes sure. Petty Cook can be Petty Cook. Yeah, I thought he was going to be like, oh, look, see, Petras isn't, uh, uh, Petras is better than him because of that. But, like, the interception, in my opinion, wasn't really on him because, Laporta like tipped it. It looked like it was like in Laporta's hands, and he just little bit out like in, tipped it to the yeah, defender. Little bit out in front of him. Little bit out in front of him. But uh, yeah, but but you're right. Uh, it was not anything like Spencer's first two interceptions, which were just uh, egregious. Yeah, I agree with the caller earlier. So I was actually helping my parents move some stuff, and it said Iowa won the toss. And I'm like, oh, well, they won the toss. They should go defense first. And then they picked offense. And I was like, well, that was a stupid decision because it would have been nice to, like, you know, defense, get momentum and stuff like that, and then get going. Instead, it was like, I don't even know, like, Petras through that interception. I didn't see it. But I saw, like, all the media on Twitter. And they're like, that was the worst throw we've seen. And I'm like, oh, crap, how bad was it? And then they replayed it. And I'm like, Geez, that was really bad. There was like eight, uh, like Buckeye defenders over there, and he was like trying to boot to the left and stuff. So, um, another thing is, did you see Justin Britt tweet the period? Tweet the what? The he. So when I think after um, Petras's second interception, he just tweeted a period. Like, like he was mad, he, but he just tweeted a period he tweeted and then deleted it. But just a period, like, like he was pissed off at something and just, del uh, and then put the period and then just deleted it afterwards. 
Uh, I didn't people, see that, but I'm glad you brought it to my attention. I was not aware. But yeah, he's he's tweeted yeah. a he, he's had a couple of tweets that he's deleted uh, in the last few weeks. Yeah, because people were like, uh, don't worry, man, we show you or something like that. And then later on, somebody's like, look, an active player tweeting stuff. It must be really bad. <laughs> Anything else, sir? I appreciate your call. Uh, yeah, no, that's it. Thank you. All right, man. Have a good night. You too, bye. Uh, yeah, I appreciate everybody now commenting. Periods. Um, I'm gonna get escape this question. So, Shadow Ukin apparently is uh, just defending Kirk, which is fine. Would you rather have a bowl game every year or three ten win seasons to one terrible season? Normal coach compared to Kirk Ferentz. Please actually answer a question I ask. Uh, I, I get, I, 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 I'm sorry. I just, it's kind of a run on question and I, I'm a little bit gassed here. Um, I would rather, uh, uh, let me simplify it and answer your question. Cause I appreciate you being here. I would rather have a team, a coaching staff that understands how to have a semi capable offense. I'd rather not have the worst offense in the FBS. That's my complaint. It's not anything about Kirk and his record and whatnot. It's about having a capable offense. That's all it is. We're talking about these last two seasons. I don't care what happened 10 years ago. I'm talking about the last two seasons. Yes, they won. Uh, they won 10 games last year, but the offense has been abysmal. So I know we're beating a dead horse. By the way, I like your guinea pig. Uh, let's get to our next caller. Thank you for calling from the Hawkeye of the Storm and Iowa football, the voice of college football. Who's on the line? Hello? Hello? Caller, can you hear me? Yes. Yes, you're on the you're on the air, sir. Hey, this is Brian down in Arkansas. I've called in a few times. Hey, Brian, uh, how are you? Good. First of all, I appreciate you having your show for us to vent our our woes and weeds on. Absolutely, I appreciate it. But I agree with you, Corey. Uh, number one. If that would have been Petrus when Padilla threw the ball away, Petrus would have kept that ball, and we would have had a sack and loss of yards. There's no way Petrus would have threw that ball away like Padilla did. I agree. Also, you know, everybody wants to kind of rant on the uh, the score of the game. But when you go forward on fourth and one and you don't get it and you give a, a team like Ohio State, which is ranked, what, second in the country, great field position, the score is going to be run up. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Even when you can hold a team to nothing, they're going to get three out of it. And they got three, They got that like three different times, right? Nine points to field goals where the defense did nothing wrong and they give up nine points. And can I ask you a question? Uh, is it true that Ohio State's defense scored more points than Iowa's offense? Oh, I'd have to go back. I, I really don't know how to answer that because uh, I'd have to go back and do the math. Because uh, I believe they did. Well, let me look here. Scoring plays. Let's see. Uh, well, again, if, if we're if we're just counting, are we are we counting field goals that came off of turnovers? I'm just I'm just asking if the if the defense scored more than the offense. No, they didn't score more than the offense unless you're uh let's see here. No. But I mean if you're again okay. counting points off turnovers, let's see. 
Points off turnovers. Have that number here. Let me see. I have the I haven't even looked at the official box score. I've been ranting here for the last hour and a half. Uh, let me, let's just look though. We've had six turnovers plus the Tory Taylor gaff. And they had points off turnovers. Yeah, Ohio State had 17 points off turnovers. So um and again, I don't think that's including the Tory Taylor gaff. So I'd probably bring the total to at least 20. I think they scored a field goal off that one. So, um, yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. And also, you know, the, you know, like I said about the score being run up, uh, did you also notice that when Ohio State scored those last few touchdowns, they were on excellent, excellent plays. I mean, the quarterback needled it right where it's supposed to be. Excellent catches. You know, excellent receiving. I mean, come on. You know, it wasn't like they were just gimmies. I thought the defense had one heck of a game. Yes, they did. I agree. And that's that's crazy you know, that I'm so, saying that when when Ohio State scored 54. But I agree. I was so I'm just so proud of Kurt, watch Phil Parker. The game, you have to watch the game. I know you re- absolutely. Fan, you have to watch the game. Agree. You proud, know, very very uh, proud of this defense. Very proud of the defense. I was too. In the words, in the words of Paul, in the words of Paul Rhodes, in the words of Paul Rhodes, I am so proud. Yes. And I, I agree with you again, you know, about uh, that one person that wrote something about the dealer. You know, you're coming in against Ohio State, against that defense of Ohio State. You're coming in with this, you're down 16, and you're not nervous. Come yeah. on. I agree. And you're at Ohio State. Yeah. You're not a Kinnick. I mean, come on. To say he's not nervous, I mean, come on. That's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. I agree. And when like and like we discussed, we don't know if that was his first time with the first string uh offense taking a hike. We don't know what he's been doing in practice or who he's been practicing with. So, I mean, you know, the whole thing is just ridiculous. So I, I hope he, I hope they don't go back to uh, Spencer against Northwestern. We'll see. It wouldn't surprise me. In the well, least. One thing we know, we know one thing for sure, sir. We know that, that uh, myself and Coach Patterson will be here again next week, breaking it all down, even if they do. Well, and we also know that nothing's a surprise anymore. That's absolutely right. Good show, Corey. I appreciate you. Thank you, sir. Appreciate the call as always. All right. Reminder to donate to the channel in the description below if you're watching through from the Hawkeye of the Storm or Iowa football at the Voice of College Football. Make a note that it's for the Iowa channel. Venmo, Cash App, PayPal. Um, and uh, appreciate everybody being here. If you're interested in sponsoring any of our content, including Iowa Post Game with Coach Don Patterson or Iowa Post Game with Coach Gary excuse me, Coach Gary Close, as we approach the start of men's basketball. Of course, women's basketball have some content in there as well. Reach out to me from the eye of the storm at outlook.com. That's from the eye of the storm at outlook.com. 
We will be back with Coach Patterson tomorrow night, tomorrow night for Iowa postgame with Coach Don Patterson, 7 p.m. Central Time. Be there or be square live here from the Hawkeye of the Storm and Iowa football at the Voice of College Football. And our final call of the night, our final call of the night. Thank you for calling from the Hawkeye of the Storm and Iowa football at the Voice of College Football. Who's on the line? Corey. John Dalfell here, man. Hey, John. Hey, I've been trying to get in here for the last few weeks, and I, I uh, always get shut out. So good talking to you. Terrible game. Oh, man, I just what, – what do you say, you know? I mean, it's just, it's just confounding. Um, I hope that a change is made at OC, but, you know, do you think Barda can force Kirk's hand? Um, could he, he has the authority to, but will he, uh, don't think he has the spine to do that. I hate to say that. Yeah, no, I, I'd be, I'd be surprised. I mean, I've heard from different sources that online when people think he's done, um, meaning Brian can't come back and I, I, you know, Kirk thinks he's untouchable and maybe he is untouchable. Um, you know, certainly bringing Brian in in the first place took some, you know, arrogance. And, you know, I've looked into this nepotism policy at the U and it's pretty interesting stuff because they have all these different rules for conflicts of interest. And this certainly hiring your son to come in as, uh, as OC, or, you know, I guess he started off at what O-line coach, I think yep. back in 14, you know, you, you, they have all these policies in place, but it starts under the premise that, that the conflict can't be avoided. <laughs> right. So what I want to know is what made Brian Ferentz so special that they just had to hire him as compared to anybody else in the country that they could have gotten. I well, sure Bill- would like to know what, how that hiring, how, how, what, what took place to determine he was the best candidate for even the old line coaching position. I bet there wasn't hardly any type of search. Bill Belichick uh, did Kirk a a favor in allowing uh, Brian to get a start with the Patriots. And that was his resume. And so that was, I think that's how they were able to escape the uh, narrative of nepotism, even though it's, it's still very much alive. Well, then it goes, it gets worse because the second phase of this is when he got, got promoted to OC. So they would have had to go through the same same um, analysis with respect to, you know, is there a way to avoid the conflict? Yeah, absolutely. You don't hire him as OC. So they would have had to have done some type of search and be able to say he was the best option because under the nepotism well, policy. No, 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 hold on a second. It, Let me interrupt you. I, I And I know what you're saying, and I'm not saying you're wrong, but – it's just like him them promoting Brian to QB's coach during the offseason. They did no search. They did no search for that. Right. There was no search. They promoted with well, him. Then they, they violated you to buy. Well, sure they did. Sure, sure they did. Sure yeah. they did. And, and that needs to be exposed, and that's something to take to them at press conferences. Yeah. That's what needs to be talked about, because otherwise this, this doesn't go away. I mean – he, they're going to ride this out, hope that they can get another nine, 10 win season next year with Phil Parker and it all will be well, you know, 
it's just it's just frustrating from my standpoint personally you know i had i had a you know i i bought season tickets we were pretty excited um the group of us that go and and thought this was going to be a we had a chance to have a pretty good season they tried spencer out there the first game of the year and he was just awful and so it you know the, the not getting i go back to what you what you've been harping on all along here is that this thing this thing fell apart when they didn't get somebody in the portal and in the arrogance in the in the stubbornness to not see that they didn't have somebody on campus that was going to be able to elevate the game right because you knew that after michigan and you sure as heck knew it after kentucky because spencer had an opportunity to take him down the field and win the game and what did he do what did he do? He did the same thing he did today through pick. Yeah. So, and it's not just quarterback, you know, but they, their refusal to use the portal is very much a concern all around. I, I, I call it malpractice, you know, yeah. but there's no accountability. And, and, and frankly, as a, as a fan, Corey, right now, I, I, I'm going to go to the game next week because I paid for the tickets. Mm-hmm. But the only thing that I'm going to, the only reason I'm going to go is I'll, I'll have fun with friends and we'll talk and blah, 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 and, you know, and chat and, and maybe Padilla has a good game and, it, and yeah. it's, you know, oh, worth I'll be watching. anxious to see but how other he than plays. That, what's that? I'll be anxious to see how he plays if he plays. Well, he should play. I agree. Right. I mean, there's, there's yep. no reason not to play him. Are you going to, you going to have Spencer come out there? Who knows? I mean, I mean, this is, so you know, I, I've been keeping track of uh, Keaton Slovis because I thought that was perfect fit for Iowa. He's a pretty good quarterback. He's got a pretty good year for Pitt. Not great. I mean, but but they're competitive. They're four and two, I think. And yeah, he's he's thrown for over sixteen hundred yards. Why the yeah. heck didn't they go after him? You know, don't know. I mean, I I don't get. He it. was out of their league. I don't know. I don't know. Did they even try? No. You know. No, they didn't. I, I doubt it. So I don't know where the program is going. I'm I'm concerned. I think Lomansky said it well, and maybe some others that you know you got to be concerned with where this offense is going. I mean, the recruiting has been pretty good. I would say above average for Iowa the last few years, and 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 we've had some good quarter quarterback recruits. And and if this Marco Linez gets on campus. That would be that would be a positive, but I don't think there's anybody to coach him. Yeah, I, <laughs> give me give me some reason to think it's going to be better next year. I guess, Corey. <laughs> I I can't give you that reason other than I think there will be some coaching changes, and uh, I'll uh, I'll leave it at that. I, I appreciate you calling, sir. I'm going to wrap this show up, but uh, yep, you I appreciate care. you, good you calling. To you. And, yep, we'll be on to, live with Don tomorrow. Feel free to call back in. Yep. Thank you, sir. Bye. Yeah. All right, folks. Appreciate everybody being here. Thank you, Lemansky, for the super chat. Very much appreciated. Peter's here as well. Thank you, Peter. Lisa. Thank you, Lisa, for being here. Appreciate your positivity. And Spaceboy74, always happy to provide a, a platform for Hawk fans who are mourning a loss. We'll be back tomorrow with Coach Patterson, 7 p.m. Central Time. Until then, have a great evening and Try not to think about Iowa football. Have a good night.